welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. I'm Richard Davidson, and I'm joined by my good buddies, Alka Beltre and Ethan Huffman. Now, guys, we are a few weeks into the NBA season, and I'm just going to say it. There's some things that we've gotten right, some things we've gotten wrong. I think it's time for our classic Sorry, Not Sorry podcast. It is time. We need to apologize. And keep in mind, people, this is a sorry and then a slash and not sorry. We're not sorry that we're not sorry, except for when we're not sorry. Does that make sense to everyone out there? That that makes sense to me, but hopefully for the listeners it makes sense as well. All right. Let's go ahead and get the show on the road. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to go through and we'll, 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 we'll apologize first. We're probably going to keep this part brief, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume, because we don't like to... Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll admit when we're wrong, but we're not going to go into detail. So uh, we're going to fire through three things that we are sorry for um, and three things that we're not sorry for will come after. We'll probably take a bit more time with that. Uh, but let's just kind of you know go through it. Ethan, what is the first thing that you are sorry about in this um, you know, to begin this NBA season? Well, I'm sorry that I um, told people to take the Denver over. Because at the end of the day, they did lose some important players, and they are underperforming right now. They were a late-playing bubble team, so they you know, did not get as long of a break as everyone else. Excuses. Excuses. I'm, that's why I'm apologizing. <laughs> wow. and I, So I'm sorry to tell the people to take the Denver over. However, if you listen to the podcast all the way through and listen to the other two people on this panel, they would have told you to not take the Denver over. So two to one, you shouldn't have listened to me. So, you know, maybe I'm not as sorry, but I am sorry. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Come on, Ethan. Um, so you uh, messed up there. Um, we all we all saw it coming. Uh, but one thing mm-hmm. I didn't see coming, uh, and I, I do feel, feel bad about this. We all should feel bad about this, but I should especially feel bad about this because I basically slammed the over for the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, I said hit that over and uh, threw two exclamation points on the document, which which meant really, really, really emphasize such things. And then John Morant goes and he's going to be out for a, a few weeks. He can't be hitting that over. Um, 30 games is nothing to sneeze at, but if you're going to be missing John Morant uh, in the loaded Western Conference, which you know I still think that they could have done it, would have been a fight. But, um, no, it's, they're not, I don't believe they're making the play-in game. If, if they're smart, they'll do a stealth tank. Um, and so, yeah, sorry about that, everybody. Sorry about the Memphis Grizzlies. Alkin, what do you got? Uh, probably shouldn't be apologizing in the first place if I would have been true to my roots and my homerism. I'm going to go with the Pacers under. I, I said, I didn't have that much faith in them. But here they are sitting at four and two in a weird Eastern Conference, which we're going to talk about more why it's weird for some other thing. But four and two should have been five and one, but that's here neither here nor there. But they're a lot better than I thought they're going to be. Apparently, Nate. Wait. Nate Bjorken. Yeah, I almost got it confused. I was like, wait a minute. You Nate, were talking about Nate. Nate McMillan? Yeah, we just we we kept the same. He has that offense running. The team is fun to watch, and. They're actually not just shooting two-point shots mid-range because apparently that was Nate McMillan's thing was like, hey, if you have an open shot, no matter where it is, take it. And most of their open shots, where do you think most of the league wants you to take a shot from? The mid-range. And that's where the Pacers took them. But they're like, hey, we're going to drive the ball more a little bit. And they're actually they're pretty fun to watch. I like our bench. 
I enjoy what I'm seeing. So I'm sorry about the Pacers under. Hopefully they they keep they keep going and getting more wins so I can be more and more sorry as the season keeps going. All right. Going back to you, Ethan, what's, what's the second thing that you are sorry about? Uh, I'm sorry about the Toronto Raptors and all the all the over I took on them. I I think I de- way overlooked the losses of their bigs um, and how important they were to functional offense. Like Marcus All, it was not like a big shot maker. He was not a big like he was not as defensively like sound as he had been years prior. But he was a, a guy you could hand the ball to and you would get pr- productive offense from him touching the ball and moving it effectively. Aaron Baines, not a bad center, but the, the depth pieces here, not, not so good. Um, I'm sorry for propping up the Raptors over. And you know what? I'm also going to be sorry that me and many of the national media um, thought OG Anobi was going to make a scoring leap. I still think he's really good and I'm not saying he's bad, but I'm going to take the blame um, that, that my media brethren will soon forget that they also were on him. Um, that it's just Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry are going to be too ball dominant and Pascal Siakam is going to be too busy putting up points and spinning into oblivion for OG Anobi to have his true place to shine. Uh, f- full disclosure, uh, after our Over Unders podcast, I called Ethan and I was like, Ethan, I took took the under, took the slight under on the Toronto Raptors, and I felt bad about it because I was thinking, wait, well, wait a minute, Marc Gasol and Serge Ibaka were, were injured through portions of last year, and no team had it worse through, like as far as injuries to the, most of their roster throughout the year, and somehow the Raptors still pulled it off, and so I was regretting it, it just as Ethan was regretting a, a different move, which we'll talk about later, and it, it turns out that uh, I, I was lucky, and, and, we, and, and uh, yeah, the under for Toronto is um, looking strong. We will say 41. Yeah, yeah, 41 is going to be too tough, I think. Yeah. So, tough, tough, tough. Look, don't listen Don't listen to Ethan. That's the moral of the story. Um, <laughs> uh, but I'll also apologize here. Next one. The Mavs over. That was me. That was my bad. I, I looked last year and saw, you know, Luca without Chris Stapps, you know, for a, about, I don't know, uh, 14 or so games and having a, an above 500 record. And I said to myself, you know what? think they could do it. I think that they could uh, find themselves able to withstand his absence at the beginning. And if Luca's putting together an MVP season, which, you know what? I'm going to get my other sorry in there because they're really related. I had Luca for MVP. I'm sorry about that. I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. He's going to have to turn it around very, very seriously. And I, I'm just unsure that that's going to happen for for a number of reasons, but I, I thought they'd be able to do it. Instead, the Dallas Mavericks are two and three, and it, it's not really what we're what we're looking for. Luca playing his way into shape because of, I guess, getting himself out of shape after the regular season, not really having the abilities within the age of coronavirus to continue being in shape, and so he's pulling the Nikola Jokic of last year. And uh, while, while that's good, still possible to make, you know, uh, you know, an all-NBA, maybe second team or something of that nature, might be a little bit tough f- to have the MVP season if you're not doing it um, from start to finish. So, uh, sorry for the Mavs over and for Luka and f- for MVP. 
Yeah, I think I'm going to take a little bit different route. Kind of touch base on uh, Richard's favorite team. Oh, right. I'm sorry about Jeremy Grant. So, I was like, three years, 60 million, Pistons. Why? This guy ain't even that good. I saw him at the playoffs. Wasn't impressed. Saw him at OKC. Wasn't impressed. I haven't really been that impressed by him. And then here he is having possibly, I believe this is the best start he's ever had to a season in his career. He's having a career year. Number similar to one LeBron James of the Los Angeles Lakers. We're not saying he's as good as LeBron James here. So let's, I'm not, I'm not going that hot take. I'm not, I'm not making that scalding hot take. I will never say that. But it's kind of interesting how in year 16, LeBron is just, actually might be 17. LeBron might be in year 17 right now. I got to double check. Maybe 18. Who knows? LeBron, I feel like at this point, he just keeps playing and playing. But Jeremy Grant has been having a solid year. I got to watch, actually, the Pistons versus Celtics game with uh, Richard's going to be expecting a sorry from, from Bill Simmons pretty soon, hopefully. But in that game, I was like, Jeremy Grant obviously wasn't, like, blowing me away. But I'm like, man, he is solid for the Pistons. And he got what he wanted. He does have a more focused role of the offense. I mean... That's what he wanted because I believe Denver offered him similar amount, but I'm sorry for underestimating him and what he was capable of when it gets more of a focal point on the offense. So that's my sorry. I will, and I want to apologize to Zion Williamson. I don't know if I said it on pod, so maybe I'm just, you know, outing myself. <laughs> but I often hate on Zion Williamson for staying fat and being, you know, not as good at basketball as he probably could be if he was less fat. And you could ask Ethan, who are you to, to make fun of anyone for being fat? And I'm like, I'm not. I can't. But I'm also not a professional athlete. So it's fair. Zion Williamson just continuing to do what he did his rookie season. He's at 19.7 19, points, eight rebounds, shooting well from the field. Free throw line still a bit of a struggle. Hasn't made a three yet this season. But the man's a good basketball player, and he's a very efficient basketball player at that. And so I just wanted to remind, I just wanted to, you know, officially say I'm sorry to Zion Williamson. I'm not going to stop, so I'll continue to apologize if I have to. But yeah, I'm sorry that I put out the narrative to the, the public that he's fat and bad, even though I never say he's bad. But I'm sorry for calling you fat, Zion. Well, I, I just, I just want to say, um, watching the. I don't have. I, don't, I, mean, I already gave, gave my second not, my second sorry, but uh, uh, as we were watching Christmas Day games, um, Keiko pointed out uh, to the screen as we were watching them, saying, "Hey, everyone looks so skinny except for him." And then she pointed <laughs> right at Zion Williamson. So it's you know, hey, he, he he kept on the strength, the added extra mass for his inertia, which is difficult to stop in the in, as he as he attacks the rim. So, so I I apologize for being mean. Well, about that's him pretty, being that's, fat. That's a rarity. <laughs> that's a rarity. I apologize for being mean. Not. I don't apologize uh, for my opinion. I apologize for being mean. Uh, figure. All right. My last sorry. Kevin Durant. Mainly I'm sorry because I should have considered him more for MVP. It was brought up to me, of course, that maybe he's not going to play as many games. Maybe rest a little bit. He's coming back from the Achilles injury. Try to take care of his body, but... I think Kevin Durant could be definitely an MVP contention if the Nets can go ahead and just keep getting better, adjust to the injury of Spencer Dinwiddie. That's going to be something they're going to have to, they're probably figuring out how to adjust. I don't think TLC is going to cut in the starting lineup. But if he does good, 
and the Nets are solid. I think Kevin Durant could be a, a top MVP vote getter. So I'm sorry for not mentioning him at MVP. And that is my last sorry. I feel like he did deserve like mention. I don't mm-hmm. and, and if we didn't if we didn't, that's our bad. Um Yeah, I don't think we mentioned him at all. I like I feel like the what he's done so far is kind of what I anticipated. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but it's it's about what I anticipated him to do. I just thought that there would be somebody else who would play well enough um, for enough games to kind of make him be like a, you know, third, fourth, whatever vote getter where he really, you know, where, where he really wouldn't have that path just because, you know, not playing back to backs and maybe not playing enough minutes. And, uh, but I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. You have to keep an eye out on a uh, Trey young. You never know. He could be our MVP this year. Could be seeing Trey Young change the way basketball is played, ladies and gentlemen. All right, better go to the not sorry. Ethan's having a heart attack out here. (laughs) (laughs) We better go to the not sorry. We better switch it up or we're going to lose Ethan on the pod. Oh, that's terrible. Don't say those things in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Okay. Even though I said them pre-pod as a joke. Yep. Oh, man. Now, we're going to get to – this is probably going to take a little more time. Um, We're going to get to our not sorries where we – are going to steer more into a take that we had initially that we feel is is you know coming to fruition. Ethan, what is your first not sorry? Man, the Suns are great. And I I was looking at the way people looked at them. I'm talking about their over under number and where they ended up in the world. And the thing I was thinking through with my head a lot with them coming into the season is like, all right. No, I, I didn't think OKC would do particularly well last year comparatively. I thought they were a good team to start the season, but I thought they were, were trade fodder. Everyone was just on the way out, including Chris Paul. Um, with the Suns, though, the, re- the reasons is different is the public perception of Devin Booker to Shea Gilgeous-Alexander, it's a much wider gap in perception than it is in actuality. Booker's a lot better than Shea, don't get, don't get me wrong. But no one was looking at Shea as like this, oh yeah, he's ready to be, you know, a top player in this league right now. And everyone was is in on that with Devin Booker. And so also with the surrounding players of, you know, Cameron Johnson, DeAndre Ayton for the role, uh, Mikael Bridges for some defense. Not losing Ubre in the trade was not a big deal because he didn't even play in the bubble where they looked the best. It was just one of those things. The Suns made all the right moves, barring t- drafting Jalen Smith as the only big mistake, in my opinion. And I think you can, we can reference that as a little bit of a mistake because he's not been playing much um, post the first couple games. They got Kaminsky back in there, and just because of his shooting ability, um, he, he's kind of the right fit for what this team needs in the Aitonless Mints, as long as Aiton can stay out of foul trouble. And, yeah, it's this team's really good. They're really good. We, we will see when playoff intensity reaches up. And I think they're playing at a, a far more intense level than most people because they're a desperate team. They're a hungry team. But this team's really good. And I'm not I'm not sorry that I thought that. No, I mean, I, I think we all like we all hit the hit, hit the over. I ha- I put an exclamation point next to mine. Uh, just I mean, just because uh, I like you look at this roster and. Like some rosters, it's like, oh, well, maybe this is built for the postseason. Maybe this is built for the regular season. This looks like a roster that could potentially be built for both. Um, you, you, they're just so deep right now. Like signings of 
like Langston Galloway, Jay Crowder, uh, who, you know, Langston Galloway is probably not someone come, you know, a playoff, a, a deep playoff series where it's like he's going to be getting tons of minutes, but my man can come in for in for like 10 minutes, knock down three threes and go sit down, right? He can come in and, and do what he needs to do. And, and so this team, assuming health, which which is always in the discussion with Chris Paul, this is a team that is obviously going to the playoffs and not not concerned, in my opinion, about um, uh, the play-in games at all either. I, this is a team that's solidly in that discussion, and as other teams are suffering some difficulty, they're they're coming out playing playing well to begin the season. Yep, I would like to see them find a a better backup center. Yeah, like that maybe he's a, you know, because Damian Jones is not the move for like your defensive center backup. And so I would like to maybe see them find someone who can fit that kind of role where if you don't need as much shooting out there and you need someone to slow down a Jokic, you need someone to slow down whoever else. I'm not thinking of any other Western center. Anthony Davis, obviously. There it is. That He's, a He's a power forward. He's a power forward. Okay, whatever. Um, I, I knew there was one other person I was thinking of that I, for some reason, couldn't hit his name. But when you need someone to slow down those two guys in particular in the playoffs – Aiton's going to get in foul trouble in one of the games. You need someone to go out there and guard him. Yep. Indeed. Okay. My first not sorry. Not sorry about the Cavs over. Not sorry about it. I I said it um, initially a little bit in, you know, with with a little bit of a joke in there because I wanted, you know, the Pistons to be all the way down to the bottom for, you know, Kate Cunningham purposes, right? Um get filleted for Cade, you know, just throwing those, just throwing those in there, just throwing those in there all, all the way through. Um, but uh, it's turned out to be not so bad uh, of a take to begin the season. I mean, we are what about like one seventh, one sixth of the way there. <laughs> like, let, 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 let's go, let's go Cleveland. Um, it, it's, it's been interesting to, to see, uh, the way that they've played well. I mean, I know in the Pistons game, uh, Darius Garland, uh, you know, uh, Colin Sexton. I, I I should I should apologize to him. I should apologize to to Colin Sexton. I mean, I, that, that that that's the one that I will take. I'll take the loss on. Like, I'll I'll just I'll just say I'm sorry there. So um, a little more pointed to him. I'm sorry about that. Uh, Kevin Love, back on the injury, be you know, back back with his calf. So like, there's that going on. But you know, they've got you know Nance Jr. and uh, Drummonds. There doing his thing. This is a team that has had a lot of injuries, and if they can withstand some of those, some of those injuries, I, I mean, I don't see it would really have to go very, very poorly for them, and for them to to basically take a turn into not even stealth tanking, but just tanking. I think to not hit their over. So I feel very good about that. Uh, I, this is still not a playoff team, in my opinion. I don't. I, I'm not there. I don't think it's a play-in team, but at least they have dreams and hopes. Perhaps he can snag the 10 seed. Um, if so, props to you. But they're hitting the over, everybody. You, you, can, you can take that to the bank. Love it. Uh, okay, okay, they're hitting the over. Take it to the bank. Let's pump our brakes here. I'm still not sorry for calling the Cavs under. Ah. I think this is all fool's gold. I think... 
I think we have a team who is more rested than other teams who really didn't move that many pieces around. So you have a lot of familiarity with the players. I mean, especially their core players. And I think that's what's going on. It's what we're seeing where some teams who are tired coming back from the bubble, even though they haven't really played many bubble teams. But I think it's unsustainable. I expect a very, very big lull during this season that's going to bring them to their under. I don't think this is sustainable. That's just my opinion. Well, Go ahead, Richard. Or, oh, Ethan. Cool. Well, Colin Ethan's Sexton might not keep scoring 26 points per game on 55 from the field and 55 from three. But if he falls back down to earth to his career averages and shoots 45 from the field and 39 from three, still going to be pretty good. So I just want to remind y'all that y'all said he couldn't shoot, and I said he could, and I just want to keep reminding everyone in the world about that for the rest of eternity. Because listen, we 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 we're we're admitting defeat here. Do you have to keep reminding? I us haven't heard Elkin defeat? say sorry yet. Cause I'm cause I'm not sorry. <laughs> oh that's man, rue oh, the why. day, Mister Beltry. I refuse. I refuse. Well, I, I will say, um, Andre Drummond is definitely going to lead all centers in turnovers this year. It's just going to happen. Um, it's, so, it's been rough uh, watching him. But, and Isaac Okoro, not, is kind of struggling with some health. That's a little concerning to me because our boy Dylan Windler's out again. Come on, Dylan. We, we believe in you. We want you. We want you to be healthy out there. Uh, so, that, that, that said, if, if the injury bug bites this team, like that's tough, especially considering Darius Garland's like past uh, injury concerns. Andre Drummond's gonna play all the games because that's just what he does. Um, uh, but you know, if, if you end up having a few too many injuries, uh, that's where I begin to become a little bit concerned uh, if they happen early enough. But hey, this team's got the same record as as the Indiana Pacers out here, so I'm just I'm just saying. Swag. Which they lost to by like twenty. Hey, it's oh. okay. It's it's okay. The though if the Cavaliers get too many injuries, they get to unleash a secret weapon. Former Detroit Piston Thon Maker. Thon Maker, you heard it here first. Thon Maker <laughs> is, All right. is trash. All right, I think we better go to Ethan's next. Not sorry. Yeah, I'm I'm not sorry for my 76ers love and. What it comes down to is I, I'm going to keep betting on this team and they're going to keep disappointing me. But right now they're not because they traded in some of their pieces for some more well-fitting suitors. And that guy being Seth Curry, that guy being Tyrese Maxey in the draft, that guy you know, bringing Danny Green off the championship Lakers. He's ready to win three in a row now because he's that good. People thinking he stinks because he missed one shot in the finals and that's the narrative on him. That's a horrible way to watch basketball anyway i think this team also putting shake milton as like more of a tertiary role instead of being a guy like that has to perform for your team to be successful also a great thing so with this team ben simmons joe Embiid, still very good i could still definitely see ben simmons getting traded at some point this year if they have a law but point being this team acquired the right type of players to suit their stars Tobias Harris is back with his favorite coach. And, yeah, I am, I'm i am not sorry for believing the hype on this team. Let me respond by saying you're just, you're just like, you are bringing up teams that I was very high on as well. Like, again, you, if you look at the doc, Ethan, you see some exclamation points next to the Philadelphia 76ers for my, for my, my take on the over. 
Here's what I will you, you say. Have edit, you have editing powers. I, I You can go back. You can see <laughs> editing history. This is a Google Doc here, all right? I've not... Anyways, um, I, I, I did. You also have editing powers. I don't, I don't know what we're talking about here. So uh, here's what I will say. A little, little, little pushback. A little, little pushback on this, um, uh, and while at the same time saying, yes, I agree. Danny Green. Wasn't his one shot. He had a poor finals showing. Like, let, let, let's let's be honest. And right now, only shooting 28% from three. But here's the thing, Ethan. Here's a sneaky thing. Even if he's shooting poorly, which is which was kind of the take um, that we had initially, people are still closing out because it's Danny Green, and he might not get he might not get down in a 40% clip anyways. Like, Danny Green is notably streaky from time to time, but he still requ- he still requires your attention and gravity. People aren't going to just keep a foot in the paint if they're if their man is Danny Green and he's firing up a three point shot. They're closing out on him. There's a lot of space to be had, which is incredibly helpful for Embiid and Ben Simmons. Um, Tobias Harris. I don't know if you mentioned him, but he's having a he's having a really nice year so far. Uh, trying to you know coming back, not knocking down. 48% from three on five attempts a game and 50% from the field. He's having a really, really good year. The last good year he had, obviously, with, with some shooters, with Doc over in um, over over with the Clippers. So uh, I I agree with you. I appreciate you um, bringing, thing, bringing up you know, things that we had. You know, the group think was strong here, but guess what? Our group think was correct. So... Take it for what you will. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah. Okay. Time for me. Time for me to, to go on a little bit of a rant here. Oh um, boy. I'll be getting in on this in the back end at least. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> um. Here's my so 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 my not sorry is going to coincide with a little frustration that I have with regards to rookie overreactions, and it's not me having the take of saying it's only been two weeks, so you can't make any judgments on a rookie. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that a lot of people who are um, pushing the Tyrese Halliburton for uh, for rookie of the year right now and are, are doing so because he's playing crunch time minutes for a for a team that's overperforming. We haven't, no one's mentioned the, um, the, the Sacramento Kings yet, so... Dave, um, I had their over. You did. You did. I don't. I don't know if I. I. I didn't. I had. You, had the you soft, were a soft under. I was a Ooh. soft under. <laughs> soft under there. Um, but <laughs> let's, let's go back. Let's go back here. So Tyrese Halliburton playing very well initially. Guess what? Anyone who had paid attention at all, um, pre-draft knew that something like this was going to happen. We were saying even before. Hey. But this is before the Clay Thompson injury. You know who would be really good on the Warriors and who, you know what, it would probably be a little bit of a reach, but guess what? They should do it anyways. Up, up until Clay Thompson went down and they had to get the, you know, highest upside asset that they could in James Wiseman. You know, it would have made sense because he is someone who can come in and impact your team right now. He's playing well. Guess who else is playing well? Guys, um, Sadiq Bey coming in, knocking down uh, shots from deep. Desmond Bain. Basically, the best um, uh, three-point shooter in the draft. Like he's coming in and Im- having an immediate impact. Guess what? We all knew that those three guys, in particular, were going to come in and and play very well. 
And we also knew that that people like Lamella Ball, people like Killian Hayes, people people that are going to take a little more time to develop, like it's we're two weeks into the season. On those guys, yeah, it's probably too early to make a call. But something that we knew to begin with is there are some guys who are NBA ready. And a team like Boston, who had aspirations to uh, you know to, to be good this season, probably should have taken one or both of Sadiq Bey and Desmond Bain. We, we, we knew that, um, this, is, this isn't an overreaction as well, we knew that the, that the Suns should have taken Tyrese Halliburton instead of Jalen Smith. And guess what? Jalen Smith looks bad because he's a center and you're trying to maybe play him at the four and if you're trying to play him at the center, he's going to be overmatched. This is not the year for Jalen Smith, but it would have been the year for Tyrese Halliburton to the Suns. The point is that for these three guys in particular, Tyrese Halliburton, Desmond Bain, Sadiq Bey, those guys were going to be able to come in and provide provide quality minutes from the from the jump. And so, no, we're not shocked. We're not shocked that Tyrese Halliburton is playing uh, hasn't been playing well. Obviously, he's going to be injured for a little bit. We're not shocked about that. So, come on, people. Well, yeah, it's all so true. I just wanted to tell everyone that my biggest thing about this draft was. And I th- I've talked to Richard about this in depth when we've been watching some guys play. Is that I, I didn't feel like, so far, I haven't felt like my opinions about certain players have been wrong. It's just that the things I was valuing, I valued them incorrectly. Like, Denny Abdia has been a really good rookie. And it's been the things I thought about him that have worked out. He's been a pretty good help side defender. He's He just looked like an adult, not in, not in a hurry, not, in tr- not getting himself into trouble. But in my overall ranking, I had him too low because of just that, that is my misevaluation of those things and how valuable they would be transitioning immediately to the NBA. And those kinds of things are where are where I have found my errors. I pressure Achua with where he went. We talked about this. He was a guy who, if he went to the right spot, we had a great amount of confidence he would really succeed because he's a you know strong defensive player, you know high energy, high motor, and that playing for the Miami Heat in a second uh, second string role really fits him. Oh, but the Tyrese Halliburton thing, like, I love Tyrese Halliburton. I think I had him number two on my board. I love him more than anyone else in the United States of America. It is facts. Maybe his parents. His parents might love him more than me. But at the end of the day, this man is playing really well, and we knew this was going to happen. We knew this would happen. And it, may, it it honestly makes me sick to my stomach that, like Bill Simmons, for example, this is what happened. He's talking about De'Aaron Fox having to show improve himself, or they're gonna move him out so Tyrese Halberton can be their starting point guard, and that is asinine. That is a terrible idea because Tyrese Halberton is the perfect complementary guard to anyone. He can play next to anybody, but he does. I feel like he will will and will always need that like you know star ball handler. And so it could be a Jokic, it could be a, you know, even a Carnley Towns with how often he touched the ball in the front, in the front court. It could be a De'Aaron Fox or um, even a LaMelo Ball if they were to cross paths later in the career. But he's, to me, his potential still falls short of being that superstar. My thought was he could maybe turn his career into Mike Conley. Where Mike Conley, you know, came in the league, was a little, had a little bit more of a rough start because he was not the shooter. 
where Tyrus Halbert starts a little bit ahead. Tyrus Halbert needs to work on the ball handling, snaking some pick and rolls, being able to find his way into the into the paint without a uh, you know getting bumped off his spot or not being able to go for layups with his left hand. But listen to the Hero Ball podcast because we have this. We we tell you what these guys are and who they will be. Unless you're Richard Richard hates on Anthony Edwards, that's the only thing we've we, we weren't a hundred percent correct on. But, but here's the thing. I don't. Again, I don't feel as though my Anthony Edwards take is necessarily wrong. Like, oh I, my god, I, I don't. Like, for, first of all, I had him right tenth. Okay, it's not like I said, forget <laughs> you, Anthony Edwards. You you aren't deserving of being a first round pick like we did to um, a, a couple Cole guys Anthony. out here. Uh, <laughs> what's that? Like I did to Cole Anthony. Cole Which, Anthony. For the, for the record, yeah. after a hot start in game one, he's slinking back down. He's shooting 30% from the field. I want it to be known. On a Magic oh team that's gosh. winning games, Cole Anthony is playing horribly. <laughs> like, we like Emmanuel quickly here on this pod. We we said, hey, Jemias Ramsey, probably put a pause on him, right? Nico Mannion, drop him down. Anthony Edwards has still had 10th. My issues with Anthony Edwards are still coming to fruition where my man is settling for outside shots when he should be attacking the rim. When he attacks the rim, he looks amazing. He's great. But the problem is, far too often he still settles. He's still doing that. Um, I, I forget who posted this this uh, tweet, so I might have to take a look at it, but uh, it's essentially looking at, um, I believe, effective field goal percentage and uh, on a certain level of volume, who are the highest and lowest ones in the you know in, in the NBA and so certain people are uh, looking high. Edwards is one of the ones in the bottom five. So it's again he's settling too much. But guess what? We knew that this was going to happen. He's probably going to put up some numbers um, offensively. He's going to look awful in moments, right? He's probably you know NBA.com is going to go ahead and post uh, you know a, a flashy play where he went and dunked it, took it to the rim, took it to the rim strong through a defender because that's what he can do. The problem is, does he do it enough? And my questions, my concerns with him, I still think are valid. You can definitely argue, though, if you want, you know, should we have had, should I have had Kyra Lewis ninth? Now, I'm upset because I thought Stan would love Kyra Lewis, but Stan has yet to find minutes for him. Uh, might be a year before we before we actually see some Kyra Lewis play. Just, they have too many, too many people in that backcourt. I'm sad about it. I did want to bring up one thing because you said it. And I didn't want to bust your rhythm up, but the Peyton Pritchard pick has looked pretty good. I, I understand that he probably does not have the upside of like, I honestly even think a Desmond Bain has, and I still agree that they should have took Desmond Bain, but I will say the Peyton Pritchard pick. Good pick. They could have had Sadiq. They could Bay, have had Desmond Bain too. <laughs> Pritchard and Desmond Bain. They could have had all those guys. And yeah. so and we'll have to see whenever Neesmith decides that he's going to play games. I don't, I have, I have no answer for that, but yeah, I I still think Neesmith will be all right, but yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, Sadiq Bay is the dude. Although I will say, I I did underrate that 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 low set shot. He he has had some trouble getting to that anytime he's not wide open. So, like that that is something yeah. that I I overlooked because I'm like, well, he'll be open most of the time. Well, people are gonna start closing down and more. We'll see if it uh it becomes a problem. Yeah. All right. Okay. Sorry, we, we took a lot of time talking about, talking nah, about the rookie overreaction nah. stuff. You let us know if it's bold, it's gonna be a hot it's gonna be a hot minute on it. You let us know. I did. I think my my not sorry is one I don't think either of us are are sorry for at all, which is the Warriors under. I think we all kinda hit that we're like losing to Clay Thompson. You have a step coming back from injury, Draymond Green is out. 
or was out for a little bit. And now you just have this team where they are the worst shooting team in the league right now, pretty much. Two-point shots and three, overall field goal percentage, pretty much three points, everything. They're just bad shooting. I mean, I think you guys saw that meme that someone posted trading Clay Thompson for bricks with Kelly Oubre and and Andrew Wiggins shooting percentage. And it's it's happening. And watching their games, too, I feel like there's only so much Steph can do. Like, I know people always say, like, well, Steph is a superstar. He needs to do more. But you watch those games, and oftentimes everyone looks lost except for, like, Steph. And Steph just looks frustrated. I will say this. Wiseman, it has been good seeing him. I do like Wiseman for that team. Seeing his potential has been great. But this is a team, you guys, that's headed to the top of the lottery. Like, just look at that to see. I mean, their wins, they barely beat the Chicago Bulls team, which I believe could be, might be the worst team in the NBA. And, sorry, Richard. They no, beat the fine. Pistons by 10. But you'll take those. You'll take those as long as it leads to, to Kay Cunningham. That, that's what that's the end game for you. But just, and I mean, and you guys can look up and down this roster. I mean, compared to the roster that they had when they were winning championships, obviously, Getting one coming to Rand is different, but you have this roster. It's just to me, it's a lot of players who can't really shoot. Like that's what it. Besides Steph Curry, you have just a lot of guys who are not shooters, and that's what. So everyone's like, "All right, we know what we need to do." I don't know how you guys feel about it, but that's my not sorry. I mean, we all hit the under. I am a little yeah. bit sorry that I believe in them to the degree that I did. Um, hmm. I mean. Again, if you look at Bath reference, obviously small sample size is, is, is definitely there. But, like, we got the worst offensive rating in the league. We got the 28th worst defensive rating in the league. So, like, not good. Um, if you look at basically any other metric that uh, Bath reference is putting up, they're basically, according to them, the worst team in the league uh, as, as far as um, their, their ratings as far. And they've looked like it. A uh, little bit of slander here for Steve Kerr. Uh just do more Steph, uh, Steph Curry pick and rolls with fours and fives. Like one thing that drove me mad watching the Pistons game is Blake Griffin was out there, right? Mason Plumlee was out there. Get those guys defending in space. The few times that they did, um, basically it led to an open Steph Curry shot where where our guy dropped too much and you know Steph has an open open three can knock it down. Or it led to um, a wide-open pass for someone attacking to the rim, where Kelly Oubre can dunk it. So, like, that's nice. Eric Pascal can go and, 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 and find a shot at the rim. It, it, it frustrates me that uh, we've gotten to this point, and obviously Draymond just came back first game, didn't, didn't go so hot, but so maybe we'll give him a couple more games to see if uh, he can help with the current offensive structure of the running, but... I think they're going to change it up at some point. And I think we need to see a little less of that beautiful game that uh, Steve Kerr wants to do. And we need to see some more Harden-esque, um, uh, at least from before, not, 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 not just ISO ball, but we need to see some pick and rolls. Pick and roll heavy, Steve Kerr. Come on. Okay, I have a thought with the Warriors. And their offensive rating is 100 right now, which is last in the NBA. And I was thinking about a team specifically, like the Miami Heat, who, who you would, I think we would argue that their offense is like usually in their, their franchise history the thing that struggles. The last time the Miami Heat as a franchise had a lower offensive rating in a season than the Warriors, like a small sample size, I get it. 
was the 2002-2003 Heat, who lost enough games to get franchise icon Dwayne Wade. Stuff. Stuff out here. So now the Warriors are going to lose enough to get franchise icon Jalen Suggs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, my gosh. Here's... Okay. Um... That, that's we'll offensive rating too. That's not adju- no. that's adjusted for possessions. It's 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 legit. Yeah, we should also mention Steph Curry has not been bad. Like people out here, the discourse about Steph Curry the past couple ga- couple days on Twitter have has been bad. I don't want to get into it too much, but come on, y'all, let, let, let's not do revisionist history on Steph here because Steph Curry was very 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 good, right? But. People are now going back to, well, really? How good was he? Stop it. Oh, boy. Stop it. Okay. I just had to say I mean, that. Can I mean, can I do a little slander? Stop it. No. To, just, just, for my, just for my Portland bias? Oh. That, that Damian Lillard could do all these same things if he had Klay Thompson and Draymond Green and Andrew Bogut and all these other guys who helped him on the, the defensive end all this time. Can I make that slander? Like, it's not slander, but it's like, is Damian Lillard that much worse than Stephen Curry? I, I'm upset because we were going to you next on the not sorry, and so I can't I can't just transition this very well. Well, <laughs> um, let, me tra- let me transition myself. I'm not sorry about my Houston opinions based on the James Harden being their qualifier. And you know what? After watching last night, James Harden didn't play. I'm not... Sorry about my Houston opinions without James Harden because John Wall is back. I mean, it's one game, but John Wall played really well. Christian Wood is a really great offensive player. I think uh, Duncan Smith, uh, known of Pistons Twitter, has hmm. like tweeted out some stats that Christian Wood literally has just been killing it ever since Andre Drummond left the Pistons, and then also he's not on the Pistons. He's not on the Rockets with him, so still free of Andre Drummond. Um, Christian Wood's just been killing it, like 23 points per game, over 10 rebounds a game, ever since Andre Drummond left the team. And so that's really cool, and I'm really happy for Christian Wood. And the Rockets, they're they're not a bad watch. I think James Harden has bought in a little bit more to this ball movement thing, which, again, I, I said on the last pod, I've, I've warmed up. I'm, I'm no longer being crazy. Uh, let me let me watch my baby's Heat fan, and I'm down with him to come to the Heat if, if that's the deal that works, although I think the Heat can be outbid by several teams. But, yeah, Houston, good basketball team. Good enough team, anyway. Wait, Richard, refresh my mind. Why, why did the Pistons let go of Christian Wood? So we also need to understand how free agency operates here. He was an unrestricted free agent, could go wherever he wanted to, wherever he chose. I'm sure the Pistons had a number. Um, but I'm sure that just like, uh, kind of like in a, a, yeah, I guess in a similar situation to, to Denver, um, although it, it not really making sense because Detroit's obviously a worse team, but like it would have probably cost the Pistons more money to go out and get Christian Wood. Here's the concern with Christian Wood though. Here's where, here's where it's like, eh, well, offensively he's killing it. Still not a very good defensive player. Um, and that's going to probably be this issue with this Rockets team uh, long-term. Like, he's going to be so, like, I don't really understand the Rockets' defensive kind of situation. It seems, as I was watching some of them, like, in any on-ball screen that involves Christian Wood, they're, they're dropping him. Um, 
and in any off-ball screens, they're just switching. Uh, that, that's the way it's looked to me um, thus far. And it, it gets in on-ball screens that are, you know, not involved Christian Wood. Um, I have I wasn't paying as, as much attention to those. But uh, particularly with Christian Wood, like, defensively, they're not very good. Offensively, he's a very, very, very good player. And I think that the Pistons had a number in mind. And, and that number, people are going to say, well, you could have just given Christian Wood that money instead of Jeremy Grant. And we'll rehash the Pistons offseason here in uh, right now, unless Ethan wants to go a little bit more. But no. here's – it's a valid argument if you want to question the, well, Christian Wood versus Jeremy Grant. Why give the money to Jeremy Grant – that you could have given to Christian Wood, um, and I think that the I think that the heart of that is the culture that you're trying to set, um, especially on the, on the defensive end, which I which I think is a very big part of what Troy Weaver is wanting to do. Jeremy Grant um, on the defensive end is going to bring energy. He's going to bring um, uh, a lot of effort on that end as well, and you're going to see some production on that end. The Christian with Christian Wood you're really seeing more of that on the offensive end. Uh, although Jeremy Grant's been really good um, on, on that end as well. And, and, you know, respectable efficiency numbers. But I think the issue is culture in that regard. And the culture that um, Trey Weaver wanted to bring in, he sees more inside of uh, Jeremy Grant. Now, let, let's go ahead and maybe assume... As well, Christian Wood just wanted to leave. Wanted to go to a situation where um, maybe a, a, a more winning situation, which I think is fair. I think that he probably chose well in that regard. In Houston, whether they have James Harden, whether they don't, they're going to be a better team. So he, he goes over there. Let's say that the Pistons couldn't have done anything. And they knew that. They pivoted. They went and got Jeremy Grant. The Pistons slander that basically from every national media outlet was just a whole lot of Pistons LOL. That, that was basically the approach that, that everyone took. And we're waiting for apologies over here in Detroit, waiting for sincere apologies. And, and I, we appreciate your sorry for Jeremy Grant. Elkin. you mentioned it earlier. We, we appreciate that. <laughs> um, thank you. Uh, but, like, the there, there's the argument that, oh, well, you know, you could have done it the... Um, uh, Oklahoma City Thunder way, where it's, let's just go ahead and be the team that brings in bad contracts and facilitates and then accumulates a lot of draft capital that way. Here's the problem. You also, they also started with Chris Paul, someone who was desired. Pistons didn't have that. And so they were able to begin that chain reaction of acquiring picks and shipping out, uh, bad, you know, shipping out, um, uh, Players that people wanted, Kelly Oubre, for example, bringing in, um, you know, first-round picks, bringing in uh, first-round picks for taking on Al Horford. All of that because they had a very particular um, uh, roster set up to be with. They also had SGA. Pistons didn't have that. They didn't have that setup where they had that young guy under contract. So they had to take an alternative approach. People aren't wanting Blake Griffin yet. They We wanted to make sure he has to show he's healthy. And... I don't know if people will be wanting him by the deadline either. We'll see. He's got to play himself into shape a little bit more. But the Pistons had to take a different route than Oklahoma City did. And what the Pistons didn't want to do was they didn't want to be a team approaching the tank like 
the Process Sixers, a team that didn't have a culture and was just, let's be bad and accumulate all the picks that we can. And the lottery odds aren't necessarily in favor of that approach anyways. You can be one of the worst four teams and have the same chance at the top pick. Obviously, the worse you are, the less you can fall. But the Pistons, in the moves that they made, like, they weren't going to be a good team. But let me tell you out there, if you look at the free agents that are going to be available this offseason, this is really the only offseason upcoming that the Pistons, by going out and getting Jeremy Grant um, in particular, and Mason Plumlee, if you want to knock the Mason Plumlee thing, fine. But, like, this is the only offseason that they really, by going out and getting Jeremy Grant, are limiting themselves and being able to sign people. Who are we going to sign? Who's going to be better, Jeremy Grant on a $20 million deal or whatever John Collins signs for? Who would I rather have as far as the Pistons? John Collins, not the defense. The defense isn't there. I probably would rather have Jeremy Grant. Would I rather have Lonzo Ball? Maybe. But Lonzo Ball at what price? There's a lot of teams that end up having a lot of cap space who are probably going to have to overspend and overpay. Lonzo Ball is going to end up on a contract that people are going to look at and say, ooh, that's a bad contract, just like they did Jeremy Grant. My point is, those are really the only couple of guys that are going to be out there on the free agency market that maybe the Pistons could have had some say in. And guess what? The other team has matching rights if they want to. So I think Troy Weaver looked at this and said, let's go ahead and approach it this way. Let's get some draft picks in. We're going to be bad. We'll be in the King Huntingham sweepstakes as it is. And I think that the Pistons, other than making Blake Griffin look really, really good, which hasn't happened yet, um, have basically approached this and have, have been very successful in what they wanted to do so far. So I'm not sorry about the Pistons offseason. And uh, I know that Bill Simmons probably didn't watch that Pistons game. And I hope that we beat Boston today just so that he has to attribute it to something other than a fluke. Oh, you don't, you don't want us to beat Boston today? I've already got a couple bets in, so let's write okay. that down. Okay, fine, fine. fine. <laughs> I, I, I want us to at least look respectable today. That way, I do have Bill... the I do have the Jeremy Grant over and the Mason Plumlee assist over, though. Okay, no, there, there you go. So, anyways, sorry, that was a long time. I'm done. No, it's okay. We're expecting that. We're expecting that. I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna bring us on home with my last not sorry hitting the Knicks over pains me a little bit because of who they beat last night but i'm still going strong with the knicks over i'm still gonna go with it i believe me and richard hit the over if i remember I, correctly looking at our I brought little you chart. over i brought you over this was obviously also probably, a selfish move a selfish yeah. move to get the pistons under to the bottom and of the surpri- surprisingly enough as much as a fluke as this may be as much of a fluke this may be the Knicks are actually not that bad defensively. That's been their calling. I mean, it could be because of Tom Thibodeau. But opponent's points per game, they're fifth. Defensive rating, they're ninth. So that's really what's been helping them out. I do think, though, that win against the Bucks to me, that kind of felt like a big fluke. It was like 130, 110. That felt like an aberration. But Julius Randle's playing like he wants another contract pretty soon, which sounds about right. And... Alec Berg had a somewhat hot start, and R.J. Barrett isn't that bad. But, like I said, I'm going to hit the over. They're not going to be a playoff team, but I think they're going to get their over. Keep hitting that well, over. I think the thing that was, was relatively predictable is that their defense wouldn't be terrible because they, they, they got to the point where they have, you know, 
48 minutes of competent center play defensively if you're talking about Nerlens Noel and Mitchell Robinson. Both guys are pretty foul-prone, but both those guys are will make up for a lot of mistakes. I think, you know, veterans like Burks and Reggie Bullock are both, like, quality wing defenders. And then you got Emmanuel Quickly and Frank Nilakina, who, I I mean, we are high on Quickly's defense, and I think that's persisted into the uh, NBA now. And Frankie Smokes, that's the only reason he's in the league is because he can guard some people. So, I don't know. Defensively, I'm not that shocked that they're not terrible. I mean, ninth might be a little high. Like, I, I think there's going to be some regression here. But, like, to me, that was the thing that would be passable about this team is that their defense would be okay, not to mention Tom Thibodeau, while it's a bit of an antiquated system um, with with the way he, uh, you know, ices everything, it's um, it's going to work some nights. And so that's that's what I would I would kind of, you know, I would, I would temper the expectations for their defense or, while saying, yeah, I, I did see that part of it. But the fact that their offense scores anything is impressive to me. And I'm sorry about that. How about that? I'm sorry that their offense is not trash. No, no, no. no. Listen, you shouldn't. You shouldn't apologize for that. And I'll tell you why. Like, you their offense is trash. They're 25th. I lied. And, <laughs> and, and this is also going off of like people having ra- like Frankie Smokes. You said he's only in there for defense. He went four or four from three in one in one of their one of their games. One of their wins. Right. You look at the first game of the season with the Knicks. Uh, R.J. Barrett went crazy from three. Guess who's been awful from three. Um, it's been bad shooting since then. RJ Barrett and yeah, shooting twenty four percent for the year. Exactly. Like you think the only thing he made was in that first in that first game. And so it's I think that it's been more of a again random shooting luck from certain players in certain games. Um, obviously Julius Randle's been on one to begin with, but if that regresses at all, like this, they don't have a good offense. Um, as suggested by their offensive rating, twenty fifth. And it's, I think, also been buoyed by some unsustainable shooting, which also I think has 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 shown. So while they've gotten three wins, like it's gonna be a bad team still. Um, but hitting the over, I think, is is uh, I mean they're pretty close. I mean, not pretty close yet, but like they're 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 all, they're well on their way. I, I did want to stand that, you know, their, their defense shouldn't be the worst yes. in the league. It should not be the worst. That's that's reserved for other teams. Atlanta. We're looking at you. Atlanta. Don't, don't, why, is why, it, why is it actually Atlanta? Is it actually Atlanta? I don't know. I mean, the, the Nets are going to be up there, too. They're the ones who let Atlanta score all them points. No, Atlanta's 19th at the moment. Oh, they play the Pistons. So, I guess any, any team that played the Pistons offense is... I mean, we're, we're having games in the 90s a lot. Let me just say, get getting to getting to 100 has been, in, um, I mean, if you, if you look at preseason and regular season, like, I think it's happened just a few times. Just, just like so, two or three. Unshockingly, here's the worst five teams in defensive rating. The Nuggets, Timberwolves, Warriors, Bulls, Wizards. Unshockingly. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, like, I don't think these ones are unsho- – this isn't a shocking one. The, the Clippers are currently – Eighth, but that's because of the uh, Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, that that's a thing where it's a fluky game. Any any on off stats for 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 them just this season are going to be tanked because of that one game. But this is something I do want to bring up just a little bit since we're just kind of you know looking at random stats again with the 76ers. They're number one in defensive rating right now. That's and expected. 
and that's expected. And it shows like you don't always have to be supersized. Like supersizing is not like if you're quick and big, that's that'll always work. But the Sixers getting rid of Al Horford, getting him out of there because he's not quick and big. He's just big. Like has enabled Ben Simmons to have all the extra space to run around, help, help people out because he does. He's not running into Al Horford. Again, this is not me saying Al Horford's bad. He was a bad fit. I'm never going to say Al Horford's bad. Yeah, and, and I mean Seth Curry is someone who's not notable. To, um, you know, not notable for his defense. And at the moment, the regular season, you're going to be able to cover for him. Now the questions will come in the in the playoffs. Are you going to be able to do that? It could still be could still be an issue. But regular season, I think you're going to be fine. I don't think Seth Curry's a bad defender. I don't think he's good. I don't think he's a bad defender. I watched him playing for the, the Blazers, and I mean, I guess there, there's Damon, Damian Lillard who you can attack at all times when you're playing the Blazers. But, like, Seth Curry, like, I think he does the exact same stuff Steph does without the volume of steals because he doesn't, like, he hasn't had the leniency to just chase around and go for steals all the time because that will get him pulled before he establishes himself as a rotation, you know, guard. And I, I think he's quality. I think he gets in the right place all the time. He's, he's just not very big. Yeah, he's a little bit, he's a little bit smaller than, than Steph as well, so. I, we hit the end. Yeah. I, think, I mean, I think it's it. Yeah, I'm looking at. I'm just looking at different stats. And I'm like, oh, is this fun? No, it's not fun. You can cut that. I don't care.